Hello and welcome to another episode of Journeys, uh, part of that Blind Lads podcast. And today I have a special guest in Ban Summers and I'll also be co-hosting with Alice Evans from L- L- Labelled Lab Led podcast. Hello, Thanks Alice. Thanks for that, Jamie. Yeah. It really, really makes us sound, uh, sound, a, sound super professional and, you know, desirable for people <laughs> who, who might want to listen. Well, are... I don't know what what meaning what uh, pronunciation you go for because if you go for voiceover, it's lablend. We um we are the labelled podcast, but it's yes. spelled L able D because we're kind of making the point of you know people label us and this is what our sort of thoughts and feelings are about that because you know actually you can label us but we're different from that. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole you're... thing, so. And you've been on the podcast a while ago. I think it was the media representation on in the Blind Social. I did, um, and I so swore a lot, and I think I was drinking. Lot, yeah. Whereas it's it's mid afternoon now, so I've got coffee. You can expect me to be slightly more eloquent and possibly slightly less sweary, but I can't promise. Yeah, can't yeah, can't promise. And uh, <laughs> if people would do want to check out Alice's podcast, the label podcast, then do so. They're uh, they're a lot more professional than me. They have their own, even have their own website now. How cool is that? I don't know. Pro- professional. Did you just I say that we're more professional no, than you? So more professional than me. That's what I said. Okay. Okay. So I was that follows say, on from the yeah. builder from earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did that on purpose. That's <laughs> that. <laughs> but, have you, you not got a website? No, I haven't got a website. We had a website like before we started. Yeah, well, no, it was just a WordPress. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I just can't be bothered. As a real me, which is express uh, myself now. And you see, I've I've been I'm as me and Jamie frequently talk about, I'm really old. So I've been working in like a proper day job for far too long. And so I'm like, no, I've got to do this podcasting properly because otherwise, how am I gonna get out of my day job and into doing something that I actually enjoy? <laughs> yeah, but, and I'm kind of more on Jamie's kind of side where like uh the I'll, I'll try and just do something and then be like you know what we'll we'll get a bit more professional along the way yeah. it, it will come you know when it's needed yeah like if if you need me to step up I can do it but in yeah. the meantime maybe not you guys just just not sort of haven't been around long enough to be jaded and realize about how terrible the competition is <laughs> yeah oh, yeah I well yeah like I've what I said a bit earlier where where I do like lo-fi music I like that to seep into a lot of things yeah um so yeah well like I like now I'm talking on the Xbox headset with you so lo-fi music is like a whole genre in of itself though so you know just just roll into it for that yeah I kind of I entered with uh, a more amateur sort of mindset which led me to the lo-fi sound and then as it got along I just became very comfortable with the lo-fi side of it so yeah that's what that it's, sounds... about, though. It's, it's, it's becoming comfortable with some energy thing. and yeah this this does this just does it well the only issue with sort of getting better equipment is that it takes you a bit more time to make stuff sound crap <laughs> so um so sometimes you might find yourself just putting a bit more effort into making it sound like some of the stuff you used to do um despite having better equipment yeah so, yeah if the purpose of it is to, to sound a little bit rough then you don't necessarily want to make it sound better just to make it sound rough again do you 
Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't think this is like my take that phase. I'm not ready for that <laughs> yet. Um, it'd probably be a few more years for that, or when I do like a, a swing album or something. Perhaps, um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm very comfortable in um, uh, trying to find something nice within all that rough sound. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Can you tell, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to your music. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what your sound is like and what inspires you? So I I used to be in a band and then it got to the point where being in a band wasn't really uh, viable for me, just sort of mostly health wise, but also the fact that it, by going solo, there was kind of that aspect of having a lot of control over what I was doing and doing it for myself mm. and then that kind of fed into how I kind of make music so I, I'll make beats um, or chop up samples and that'll be in there and then I'm kind of building music up as if it kind of is a band <laughs> but obviously I'm kind of doing everything myself and but by doing um, sort of it by myself rather than recording as a band I'm probably acting a lot more like an electronic music producer than a singer songwriter but I still kind of do the the sort of indie lo-fi kind of stuff that I've always kind of done mm. um, but it sounds a lot different because it is pretty much all within the computer and I play a lot less guitar now than I used to um, so it's always kind of shifting, but it was always like this lo-fi indie kind of thing that I always hoped would have a little bit more soul to it. But yeah, I, it kind of just happens how it happens, I think. So I, I listened to some of your stuff actually. I, I, I thought it was you and then some kind of backing band. But obviously, like you said, it's these these days in the 21st century, so you can just make it sound like that just by the simple, you know, on your, your, your computer software exactly and it's kind of like I, I really enjoy um sort of being in a band but it's a it's a very expensive way to make music if you're if say your goal isn't necessarily to be having it as a big product mm. um it was more like now when I make music it's like it's like a self-fulfilling thing where I'll make the music because I want to make it and I'm kind of making it for myself and I do it by recording myself because I've got like a little bit of equipment and that means I'm not spending money on doing music um, and whatever sort of little tiny bit of money that comes back can be invested into me having another little bit of equipment and it kind of, yeah, it kind of stays self-funded and my own thing rather than when I was in a band, you'd be paying £40 a week to go and rehearse. Mm. And then it, it costs more to travel everywhere. Like when I when I do go back to doing gigs, I play with a little launch pad sampler thing and I have everything that I need in my backpack. So to have that kind of control whilst also still making the same kind of music that I perhaps would have done if I was in a band. Um, yeah, it's mostly about just kind of doing it myself and doing it for myself. That's your own band basically that's what it is yeah and I think like I probably felt like you know I've got to be doing everything on like my first album myself because I kind of wanted to make that 
that effort for myself whereas now I think I'd probably be a bit more open to collaborating with other people and other people having a bit more <laughs> Alice <laughs> and um yeah it, it, I don't feel as precious about it I think I needed to do it for one album to prove to myself and mm-hmm. do it for myself but now yeah I don't know what you're uh, name dropping me there, Jamie. You've never heard me sing. I can, I can kind of carry a tune, but I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> musical. Have you made any music or anything, Alice? Uh no. I yes, yes, yes. What your your podcast thing? I I wrote the lyrics to our um to our theme song, but that's not me. <laughs> you still you contributed. I oh did. yeah, that's still very much part of the project. Um, and I do yeah. very frequently take pop songs and replace the words with the names of my cat and dog and sing to them. See, I do that as well. That's That was like the first songs I ever made, yeah. I guess, was doing that at home at mum and dad's. Yeah. And I still do it about like loads of different things now. Like my, my partner caught me the other day singing a sort of different version of the Atomic Kitten song that's for Gareth Southgate now. I was just just singing it to him whilst he was doing an interview I was watching on my iPad. (laughs) So I think doing songs like that is probably the best practice to be a songwriter or anything that you could have. My my favourite that I do is uh, my guide dog's name is Lola. And so it's usually Sticky Lola. Yeah, she's so stinky. Yeah, okay. see, Backstreet Boys. It's amazing. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's really blown away. Yeah. I told you, it, told you, not particularly musical. I, well, yeah, it'd be interesting to know, like, how many people listening do that as well, because I think it's a lot more common than we think. Oh yeah. I bet it is. Probably is, yeah. I mean, I don't do it because I'm really, I don't know, just don't have anything to sing to. But oh, just you wait. It's, it's like it's like you know, it's like, got, um, like young siblings. I would have thought, yeah, but singing at babies. Oh, they're, they're nine and fifteen years old. Oh, well, I'm okay. not going to go and singing to them. I thought they, I thought they were like eighteen months old. I... Oh yeah, I've got one who's who's just over three months. But this, yeah. I was going to say this. I, I can't do that. That. That same kind of same kind of similar thing. It's like that baby talk where you kind of yeah. alter your voice and start speaking. I, I, I just can't do it. Um, two of my friends um, have just got a dog and they're same sex male couple and they keep complaining that whenever they have girls over, their dog ignores them completely because they can't get high up enough in their kind of excited notice me dog voice that they do because it's because they're just guys and so they're like Alfie and I'm like Alfie (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I can see why it might be uh singing to babies might not be up your street Jamie maybe not no but anyway we we (laughs) got got a bit sidetracked there singing to to animals and babies uh, (laughs) yeah let let, do let us know if you do sing to you like you said I'm, I'm I'd be surprised if there isn't anyone else out there that doesn't do it. I think it is quite a, a common thing for especially pet owners to do. But as with uh, all my guests, I pretty much like to go back to the beginning and yeah, talk about where it kind of all started for you. And the stage is yours, Ben. Okay. Um, 
I guess when I when I was younger, I I was all about football. Um, everything was going to be football based. Um, when I when we moved to Portsmouth in '99, we moved um, just before Portsmouth sort of big sort of uh, push towards the Premier League and everything was amazing. And I just, I lived for football. I thought I would probably have a career adjacent to football in some ways. And then when I was in year eight, I I got a virus and eventually um, after being ill for quite a while, I was diagnosed with ME and then I had like absolutely no connection to football whatsoever because I just wasn't involved in it. And then I, I was always sort of into music, but I'd never sort of thought that I would cross over into playing guitar or anything like that. But it kind of took for me to be off school ill. Like I never went back to school after year eight. Um, I was off school for all that time. And I heard um, an album by Lightspeed Champion and he recorded an album in a day. And I listened to it and I, I listened to it so much. And I thought that maybe if he can make an album in a day, I could maybe make an album in a year. And, uh, well, about 13 years later, um, still trying to um, make an album, I think, is as good as Lightspeed Champions album in a day. But I started playing guitar and writing my own songs. And then by the time, I think it was like a week before my 16th birthday, I played my first gig um, after putting a few demos on well, it was on MySpace. I actually started making music when MySpace was still around. And I remember uh, MySpace. I may be young, but I still remember it. <laughs> it. It kind of feels now like, wow, I actually managed to get onto MySpace at a time where it felt like MySpace was still really big. And then I just started playing gigs in Portsmouth. Um, it was mainly sort of acoustic stuff. And by mm. the time that I'd... Well, um when it came to like GCSE time, I had a tutor for three months after I got out of hospital and I got enough GCSEs, free GCSEs for college to let me on to do BTEC music. And it kind of went from there where I met a lot more people um, sort of making music and I started playing a lot more gigs. And uh, yeah, it kind of went from there really, college time into uni and um that was really good like I'd I was kind of on a a good path with the ME and um I actually got to support Lightspeed Champion at the Wedge of Dreams in Portsmouth and I got to tell him about he was the reason why I was playing guitar and I think that was probably the first moment where I thought like I thought with football where like magical moments just happen. Um, when I got to support Lightspeed Champion, that felt like like just a, a weird thing where like a music thing had come full circle. And uh, yeah, that was a magical thing that could happen. And that kind of made me um, sort of push even more. So that was when I was like, 
up to probably like 18 when I was playing, still just playing acoustic guitar then. And um, yeah, that was kind of the the sort of start to... Beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah, the start of the beginning. And that was before I'd kind of got into any bands or anything like that. But um, yeah, the, the Lightspeed Champion gig was definitely like a, a really big moment for me where I felt like, um, yeah, this is really cool. That like the catalyst for, then, for you to go on to do what you ended up doing. Yeah, it just made me think that, okay, like, not that I've put myself on the same sort of level as anyone, but the fact that I'd got an opportunity to sort of mix with people that um, I really, really loved, and they were touring the world, and to be within their kind of space sort of almost validated me to myself, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, I suppose the the thing you said about uh, MySpace. I think I've heard quite a few like I say that they just literally just chuck their chuck their their work on there and just just hope for the best. Fingers crossed. I think. And Ellie much... Allen started, I think. Yeah. So, uh, Calvin Harris he might be a bit old yeah. for that. Alice. Don't no, know. I know who Calvin <laughs> Harris is. He used to date Taylor Swift. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know because he dated Taylor Swift. Yeah, I. I mean, I never like. It wasn't like I gained traction or anything on MySpace, but it did allow me to sort of connect with people sort of locally that mm. I I definitely wouldn't have walked up to and sort of handed a CD or maybe even like messaged them kind of thing. But I'm going to say um, something controversial. I still think MySpace is the best social media. Oh, yeah. Like I, um, everything else. It was it was it's better than Facebook as in like for you having your close and kind of personal people on there and the way that you do on Facebook, but then it's also just, you can just pass it's yeah. I, I always liked my space and I, I miss it. But do you not yeah, think I, that's because social media is fine now. It's the people that are on it that make it and give it that, that, uh, you know, that negative. Oh yeah, definitely. Vibe. And it also there is an element of what I was doing on my space at the time that I was MySpace in when I was like 16, 17, 16. I don't know. No, Jamie, I'm so much older than you think I am. <laughs> yeah, 21. I, I had a, I had a MySpace definitely when I was doing my A-levels, which I started when I was 17. So, and it was where I got to be my most like authentic emo self and it was it, I loved it I loved it and yeah there's definitely the internet is weirdos used to lurk on like creepy chat rooms and now they're just all on Twitter so uh, yeah. yeah MySpace kind of felt like uh, like Facebook when everything went to there there wasn't the same sort of connection between pages no. and profiles no. And I think that was like, I think a lot of people used to also just like create groups on Facebook in the early days. Mm. But I felt like MySpace kind of, um, you, you could almost talk to anyone, but it felt like a lot more personal. Yeah. Mm. And having the music on the profile yes. there to play as well is the biggest thing. 
I because love that. on Facebook you can spend like 10 minutes perhaps trying to find a link of someone's music mm. and that's not the same as appearing on a profile clicking play almost instantly and having that first impression when they first mm. introduced the music thing on myspace you couldn't choose to like it just we went on someone's profile it was just there <laughs> like and it just played immediately so the number of times that you'd be on on your pc because this was before like smartphones and stuff and you'd been sitting there quietly and then you'd go on someone's myspace and like the kind of kids that i hung out with it was suddenly somebody just going <laughs> just into into my bedroom yeah, yeah i can imagine yeah. that um yeah those stuff like that was a bit difficult um <laughs> but also like editing the page with like code and stuff like that the the only oh, yeah. reason I learned any code was so I could mess about with my MySpace page. Yeah, my husband is a a web developer proper, like knows what he's doing and everything. And I'm like, I know how to start, how to make stuff bold in italics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or um, I know how to add an an image in the middle mm-hmm. of my MySpace profile. Mm-hmm. I mean, Basically, no, as good as there it. was, there was no plus sign. It just said add photo. No, no. <laughs> God. Oh, Jamie. <laughs> how how yeah. did you cope? We had to learn code. <laughs> well, so you might as well just create your own website. I mean, well, that was yeah. kind of the cool thing about MySpace was that you did sort of get to design your own profile. Yeah, make it, it was like, like a more... Uh, well, did you ever do anything on Pixo? No. Oh, no. I made like a, a really rubbish website on Pixo, which was just a free sort of website thing. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, no I that sounds like too much effort I wanted to put like sparkly things on my myspace and then go about my business that was the <laughs> level of my maybe you should just say I'm sure does it myspace still exist is it not it, it does still exist and I actually tried logging in uh probably <laughs> two years ago or something and my yep. friend and I couldn't I couldn't get I couldn't remember my password or no I could I got on and I went I don't know what I'm doing here. There's nothing here. And my friend just messaged me and was like, the fuck are you doing on MySpace? I just had an email to say, Alice has just logged into MySpace. And he was like, dude, it's not 2005. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm on a nostalgia trip. <laughs> Alice yeah. I'm going you know, to go on there. Can you still create accounts? Um, maybe oh, I think it still one. still exists, but yeah. but also where like with the MySpace thing, where I was off school as well, like mm. MySpace was a huge bit of my identity because yeah. like none of my friends or people that I knew at school ever saw me, so that MySpace page was like almost like a CV of my mm. life, like painting a picture of you, understand me without this MySpace page. <laughs> Would you, because I think, I, I don't know how involved you are in it, but for me, kind of disability Twitter is something that I've come to quite recently. Um, and there is quite a strong disabled, oh, sorry, I just elbowed my mic. I don't know. I'll start that bit again. Um, I, disability Twitter is something I've come to quite late. Um, and I think there's quite a strong disabled community on Twitter and for me it's been really like really good and good for my kind of mental health and stuff to have that community and and meet those people did did you feel like there was anything like that 
back in the MySpace days, particularly if you were kind of at home and isolated from your peers. I mean, I imagine, you know, there's not a lot of teenage boys who are getting diagnosed with ME. So it's probably not something that actually many of your immediate peers would have been be able, been able to relate to. Well, yeah, I think that was a big thing. I didn't know um, anybody that related to it and I had nobody to relate to, to be honest. Mm. So a, a large part of my sort of identity at that time, I, I probably wouldn't have even known that I could call myself disabled. Mm. And it wasn't until well and and the fact that I, I was at an age where I felt like it, that wasn't necessarily something that I would have been sharing with people anyway because mm. they already thought mm. that because I wasn't at school I probably thought more than they did that there was there was a huge difference between mm. us that I didn't necessarily want to show but then sort of uh I don't know what age I would have been sort of uh maybe like five six years ago I I was sort of two years through university and I'd done a placement year um, sort of uh, working at the the recording studio at uni and then I kind of had like a really bad health breakdown after that and I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia then mm. and it was probably during that time I then had like two years off between sort of finishing like the last bit of uni which I did sort of by hardly attending at all um it was then when I found a bit of disability twitter and that had helped me no end I think um to to see so many people in their sort of daily tweets and stuff talking about so many things that I related to Mm. that it was a real eye-opening moment and it wasn't until then did I ever sort of see myself represented at all or spoken about at all or Mm. people that were my age or younger or older that kind of um had a lot of the sort of similar lived experiences Mm. and um I I can only imagine what good that would have done me as a teenager I think yeah Um, it's very much my experience when I was a kid growing up with my eye condition um I you know whenever they sort of would my parents would trundle me off to some kind of event to be like oh you know look what all these blind people have managed to do with their lives and you can be successful and all of that kind of stuff um they were absolutely all guys in their 40s and 50s and when you're 12 like 50s basically dead and it's just like I had no no relation to what these men were kind of feeling and experiencing um and it really wasn't until I I I met a couple of people when I was at college and at uni um with different disabilities I made I met somebody um when I was doing my master's degree who's the same age as me and has the same eye condition as me has had the same sort of level of deterioration as me very very similar experience to me and that really made such a huge difference because it's just having that connection of somebody where you don't it's almost like you don't have to kind of explain and give a background you can just be like this and they're like yeah "Yeah, exactly and that it does make such a difference and I can't imagine you know I know social media is 
terrifying and there are trolls everywhere but I think for young disabled people out there at the moment I think if you can find disability Twitter and you can find supportive people I think it must be a really great important place to grow up so um do you have anyone that you sort of follow because I like say if somebody was listening to this um I guess for us to say disability Twitter um probably isn't necessarily helpful in terms of where to start is there anyone that you would send people to my co-host Lucy Lucy Wood she's uh I want to say wheeled wonder underscore but um something along those lines depending on kind of what what you want to what what you want to sort of get out of your disability twitter um imani barber is amazing she's you know really just absolutely takes no shit and is very strong on kind of activism um ginny and tonic again funny and sarcastic um trying to think who else i went blank it's um it is you know does become a little bit of an echo chamber um you know you start following some people um and the it's um it's you come across the same people time and time again i would say if anybody's interested uh do a you know search the disability twitter hashtag um different hashtags for things like there's a great hashtag that um disability to white um representation one, matters one um, person i would say as well is i don't know podcast why it goes pauline castrus i think you're gonna have mm, sign yeah. yeah she's yeah. she's uh she's really good mm. um and it's, an, it's in a, an interesting space for like global warming and stuff like that that kind of but you don't really think about i suppose so yeah she's definitely one that uh um, towards disability history as well that's a um hashtag that i definitely take a look at and um i think particularly for people with things like emmy and fibro and people going through the diagnosis process and sort of exploring um possibly getting diagnosed with things like that the um the nes void no end in sight void hashtag that's awesome as well yeah that's um yeah there's if i was a teenager now it would be so amazing to find some of those things mm. um i'd probably like in terms of like the music side um there's a a music charity attitude is everything that um they kind of have uh aspects that help um sort of like artist liaison and stuff and they will have opportunities and to be able to attend online workshops and um, cool. go to um they they might be able to help you go to like the BBC introducing music conference or stuff like mm. that. Mm. So if you're if you're a musician, I would definitely um, get in contact with them and Drake Music as a charity. Yeah, I think um, like there's a lot of stuff that um, I sort of find that I'm going to play on perhaps my radio show or something. And you're like, oh, it's something else that Drake Music has commissioned because mm. they've done so many different things they're definitely two sort of musical ones that i would share. If, if we're talking music i will also name drop 
one of my very good friends, Louise Steele, whose uh, latest album she wrote off the back of her um, autism diagnosis. Okay. Um, her album's called Sideshow. She's a big, it's like, um, think sort of Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey style, big, uh, big set of lungs on her sort of. Nice. It's, it's and very showy. It's very that's cool. I'm gonna have to check that out then. You like sure. you like your big pop. Yeah, that's the great thing about the radio show that I do as well is I can play absolutely anything I want. So it doesn't matter if it's sort of a live improvised synthesizer performance or it's like a big ballad. Mm. Like I really enjoy the fact that I can play so many different things. What mm. what's your radio show? Where can we find your radio show? I was going to say that. Yeah. So I so I knew two friends that were starting a radio show, uh, a radio station called Unmade Radio in Portsmouth, and it's a digital station. And I remember a while ago, uh, there's a musician that I follow, Nick Evanett, and she she was trying to start sort of a network of disabled musicians that don't gig because there are quite a lot of disabled musicians that do gig and they perhaps have slightly more advantage of being mm. able to network and meet people <clears throat> and sort of get out there. And I'm not quite sure where she is with it at the moment, but when like my two friends kind of started the radio station, I was like, what if like monthly I could play disabled artists? And originally I was thinking that the artists being played at least like you could see in a list loads of different people that you could check out and mm. that you could maybe sort of get to know like one of the great things about the radio show is that people have sort of started following each other and like I'd love if there was like a collaboration that came out of it or something so <clears throat> I spoke to the guys that started the radio station and I said like monthly maybe two hours I'd like to play disabled mm. neurodivergent artists um and just like including people that just didn't who were a bit like me when I was younger didn't necessarily feel like they fit mm. um like disability as an identity but um but they are in the eyes of everyone else kind of thing mm. but, um so um I struggled with the name I eventually came up with dis at DIS and um yeah it's been amazing that I've um probably done like five shows now on Unmade Radio and it's like awesome. every four weeks and um every door that I open of recommendations opens like another 10 doors of different people to listen to that's and, so cool um mm. I'd say the largest amount of stuff that I have to do for the radio show is research mm. Because like there's so many musicians that like wouldn't identify themselves or publicly say that they're mm. disabled. So the, the radio show has to work on recommendations to a certain extent. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's been a real, a real honor. Yeah. Is I can't. Something... Oh, go on. I was just going to say, I can't believe uh, I've just sat here and, and talked about Louise and haven't name dropped Maisie Crendon, who is the singer-songwriter behind the theme song for our um, podcast. She's also got a an EP out recently that's on Spotify that I can't remember the name of at the moment, but 
uh, I will find and I will stick that on um stick that out to Jamie to share as well for us yeah cool yeah out. yeah please do um well whilst I'm talking about it now um if anybody knows any disabled artists and or you are a disabled artist please get in contact with me at band summers on any of the socials or email bandsummers at gmail.com and then let's play your music please cool mm, so, definitely, yeah definitely encouraging and I was going to say is, is incorporating the whole kind of disability thing is that only kind of came into your your view like since you've been introduced to like you know the dis- disability side of social media or was it something that you've always had an idea of and just didn't really know where to start with it um i would say that i just i don't think i'd been given permission for that to be something that would be like uh, an identity for me so i probably would have like thought of myself as chronically ill but being able to call myself disabled perhaps didn't come until after I found disability Twitter. Mm. And I, I saw people with the exact same conditions as me sort of talking to other people with similar conditions or different conditions. And it felt like, like that was okay. And that was something that I could do. So it really wasn't until I was in my twenties that, um, yeah that was something that I I even realized was was the case because it's it's obviously always sort of been the case since I was first ill but I just like I I didn't have the words or permission for it I think that's really interesting because I I never wanted particularly to identify myself as disabled although you know oh and blind even now is a word that I've have some mixed feelings about because I do have sight and um so I think there's a lot of social pressures about that that label of disabled but it's something I've always wanted to sort of ask you about Jamie you know being a young person who's been blind is that you know how what what's your feelings about labeling yourself as a disabled person I'm probably the exact same as you I'm I'm younger and you know I'm kind of I was born into that social media generation i'm probably the exact same as you guys is that going through school i think i probably i had a, a good amount of vision enough vision you know to do things relatively independently i could walk around blah 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 and i rubbish use my phone without any extra just reading software and stuff like that and i've always but i always i always distanced distanced myself from you know visually impaired or mm. blind or disabled that's i just wanted to be one of the lads mm. you know normal you know whatever words you want to use so yeah it's, it's, um, I'm, and I'm once again I'm the exact same as you guys is it when I did come across um well when I started social media that's when I kind of start to feel more comfortable using the word blind and disabled and then when I came across disability Twitter which is I think about the same around times uh, as you Alice I think that kind of a year or so well, just over a year or so ago just mm. as as a lockdown was happening Mm. and yeah it just goes from there you kind of think you see, you see all these people you know comfortably happily calling themselves disabled yeah. or blind or whatever it is and you yeah. think you know what what's what's it's not a dirty what, word yeah that's that's yeah. the thing and i think even even as disabled people or young disabled people who don't maybe aren't you know on social media 
probably even older people i still probably i'd probably think there's some out there that don't like you know we're disabled mm-hmm. but i think it's just those things where you kind of you have to be exposed to the wider community of it to realize that no, it's not it's you know it's, if anything it's without sounding cheesy it's uh some of empowering in some some respects mm. i think one of the things i like about imani is that she is so unapologetic yeah and that's it's yeah it just it makes it makes everything so clear and makes sense when she talks about it mm. the but yeah the unapologetic side does make you feel empowered i think mm. Um, we've got an episode with uh, Jenny Berry coming up soon and she's another really interesting person I think she's a bit more on Instagram than she is on Twitter um, and I'm I mean I'm too old for Instagram so um, <laughs> uh, I feel old when I'm on Instagram and I also feel really blind when I'm on Instagram so I'm like <laughs> I just want to look at all these pictures of cats but I can't see it I'm just going to go back to my book um, so yeah it's um and Jenny's acquired her disability and she's got really interesting approach to kind of raising awareness about it because you know you do for a lot of I think there is an element amongst people in with disability Twitter not you know yes I think it's been really important to be unapologetic but there are some people perhaps on the outside who find that um, kind of combative and challenging Um, whereas Jenny is because she spent a lot of her life as non-disabled and she now is disabled she's got a a really interesting approach to it and there's a lot of stuff of going you know I didn't know this and this is now something that I'm learning this is something that never crossed my mind before yeah someone who's also similar to that um she's on I think she's just she's more on Instagram but she's on she's on Twitter is uh, Lucy Dawson yeah she does a lot of good quite almost funny stuff some of the stuff she says she gets no, she's I think she's like a she's like a model of some sort of thing yeah she's like a not a glamour model but she no. is yeah she's um but she'll get like weird messages from, from her from you know old creepy men and just just blast them and it's, you know it's quite I entertaining mean, everybody get I got a really weird message from somebody on Twitter the other day just asking if I could see well enough for him to send me a picture that would put a smile on my face oh god it's uh, just like, oh, internet, well done. Uh, it's not my space yeah. anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you, you were right about MySpace, though, where it felt like um, all, the, all the creeps were on message boards. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's not the case. I'm sure there was. Oh, yeah. But like, what, was the, yeah. what was the tagline? It was a place, a, a space for friends or something like that. It was like <laughs> yeah. their whole bag. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think um i we can't wait until, days, until you guys get the, the myspace sponsorship on the podcast <laughs> yeah. oh, i should have got i should have got a, still a, a bit of cash lying around i was gonna say jamie if you start making that myspace money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't remember who brought it up yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah so obviously get, right now have you ever really seen your disability or chronic illness as a uh well probably a better way to say it is do you think everyone has ever seen it as a barrier so do you think everyone's ever said like you know oh we you make can't music. do that yeah but yeah i think i i certainly 
I there's things that I just wouldn't necessarily consider in the same way that I might have done like a few a few years ago like in terms of when I was younger <laughs> and feeling a lot better than I am now touring was something that I'd have always wanted to do and now touring doesn't seem as much of an option to me now well especially at the moment but um mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as much of a sort of option and that's kind of where a lot of musicians and artists sort of make their sort of mm-hmm. their money in their mm-hmm. career so um it does kind of like if I was a, a musician that was touring and recording albums in studios and stuff that was that was where I thought I might be but by the same token, I I do not have anywhere near the pressures that I would do if I was in that situation, and yeah. I I probably not be making perhaps music that's as much for myself. So like where like a barrier like that might be seen as a barrier to having um, sort of air quotes a career. Um, I think it it does give me some of the barriers a different perspective. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a barrier at the moment that um, come what is called Freedom Day when gigs can be back and stuff like that will be the time that I can go out the least. Because, mm. um, like uh, the, the lack of social distancing, the lack of perhaps mm. masks and stuff like that, especially within a music venue, um, kind of means that... Um, sort of that would be a barrier to me playing this year I can't imagine that I'll get to play a gig or anything in Portsmouth this year Mm. Um, and it's not because it's it's not because it's definitely won't be safe but it's more because how can I like I when I next play a gig I want to really enjoy it and I don't want to be worrying about loads of things and I don't want to feel like I'm sort of taking a risk for no reason so I do get a little bit jealous isn't the word but to see um like everyone sort of planning their gigs back and stuff so that just kind of um that focuses my mind for the radio show because there'll perhaps be loads of different people that are in the same position Mm. and it to me it kind of makes the radio show like just have that extra sort of reason for existing because in music venues it could be sort of a barrier this year for disabled artists and I think it's like you shouldn't judge a person's artistry on the fact that whether they can get out and tour or not you know the a person's talent and work is as much about whether they have the the fans and you know, people enjoy their music and whether they enjoy their music and they're proud of the music that they make. And I think that, you know, that pressure to, to get out and perform live. I mean, I've, you know, been to, to loads of gigs and I always think afterwards, yeah, that was fun. But I mean, for me, when I'm like, if I'm going out and it's music, I want to be able to just dance around I don't really care about being able to see a stage and see a performance and things like that because it's just, you know, seeing isn't really my thing. Um, So, you know, the idea of gigs and stuff starting, I mean, that's great for some people, 
but as you say it's it's not just about I think for for performers as well as um for you know fans it's really important to have a space where people can experience music and consume music in different ways because it you know we get our pleasure from it in different ways it's not all just about live performance mm. yeah I think um yeah it's definitely where like I I'm not sure how good I would feel about trying to draw people into that space at mm. the moment um and also just it not being the sort of experience that I would want it to be mm. like as you say a gig you do kind of want to let go a little bit a bit it's the same with if you're going out clubbing and stuff mm. like you do want it to be um that sort of free yeah. experience that you're having with mm. friends and stuff yeah that's that's why I've dodged order obviously over the pandemic nightclubs I didn't know is where you have like six seat table you have to sit down you can't stand up so it's just just not it's not you know it's all good going here if you want to sit down and chat with your friends while there's music blasting and you're drunk it's, it's not so like I say it doesn't doesn't fulfill that that enjoyment that you got and why you fell in love with that particular thing in the first place yeah a roast dinner with house music doesn't like <laughs> the same appeal as like like and it's just oh, it's all the know, bodies you know. in that space as well like it sounds different like if you're sat down and there's so much space in the middle in a nightclub and stuff like it's gonna mm. it's just gonna sound different as well i want a roast dinner with house music in the background now yeah so two of my favorite things to give those sponsored by house roast dinners <laughs> house, yeah there we go Get on it, Alice. Why, why me? <laughs> you you can do the marketing. It's, it's because I'm a woman, isn't it? You think I could cook? <laughs> oh, no. I am, I'm, I'm cancelling my appearance on here now. Yeah, Just about the marketing. So. I'm, you want to talk to Lucy? She's the marketing executive. I'm not good at anything like that. I just go on Twitter every night and every and think i should retweet something so people know about my podcast <laughs> that's the best i can do mine's just yeah. there now i'm still alive that's that's my one <laughs> like do you um i guess that's something i find quite hard is sort of um promoting myself on social media um especially when there's so many like awful things going on um i find it i find it hard to want to big yourself up in social media when there's so many sort of things going on i do find the marketing hard yeah because you also feel like you need to be about all the time Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely one i'm i'm the worst on my uh my official podcast twitter because i'm rarely tweet ever um i don't you know i just i've got my own personal one i just just almost forget about it and like i say when it's it's kind of letting everyone know you're still there and you still exist and yeah it's, it is difficult especially in this time my um my day job is a bit uh can be a bit rough emotionally I work in social care so really the last thing I want to do um when I've been like visiting care homes and raising safe gardens um all day uh, the last thing I want to do is be like hey Twitter this is how nice I am um <laughs> So actually, Lucy and I have just recruited a uh, volunteer social media uh, engagement person uh, because neither of us have just got the brain space 
to so that's do what it. I mean. You you even got someone with a you got a social media manager. <laughs> She's yeah, one no, of our we listeners. Need to get a website really cool. done. Yeah, uh, yeah, and a website. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know what? I might, I might just catch up with you guys. I might employ a volunteer social media manager and get someone to make me a website. We just have one button on Adobe Play. We've um, we are actually having our website rebuilt um, outside of WordPress because we're gonna launch a members-only section uh, mm. for bonus content. Nice. Oh, Patreon or something like that. That's the well, long-term plan. Yeah, it is the long-term pa- plan. Why don't Patreon you have Patreon? Is, no, I mean, in terms of this, it's, it's a good platform, but the accessibility right. of it is awful. Oh yeah, no, I I have one podcast that I have Patreon for um and i don't know why i haven't just moved the rss feed into my apple because you can and so it just comes all goes straight into your itunes mm. um but it is like you can't i try I zoom into stuff and i'm like play and it no it won't do that so i have yeah. to zoom out to press play but then i'm like i don't know if i press play on the right thing and it's yeah it's not uh with, uh, not great. with voice server from my experience it is awful that's why i don't listen to it. i don't don't pay anything on there either. But I do yeah. some things I like to. I just don't just because I feel like I'd be wasting money. It, the, the fact that it's not accessible just puts me off and doesn't yeah. want me to, 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 you know. Doesn't want your money. You've got to make it accessible for a, yeah, no, I get yeah. it. And that's so, uh, so strange for a platform that should be like seeing itself as such a, an important tool for disabled people as well. Mm. Because like, so much is driven towards um sort of being successful but you've got to you've got to make money you've got to make money kind of thing it's and capitalism it's like, isn't it so yeah and like a tool like patreon should be like a really good weapon in a mm. disabled person's armory mm. but well i'm i'm sure there's a million and one websites that you could both say oh, yeah. that for and the fact that it's right like, a lot of disabled people like like you saying about you not being able to go out and properly gig like a lot of, a lot of us are forced to stay indoors and then what do we turn to the internet and that is where you know that's without if you're not going out and making money then you're indoors making money and something like patreon which is like what probably the second or third probably most uh, popular site where you can upload content whatever it is and make money from that Mm. It, it, it should just be should be standard for it to be accessible but maybe you know. uh disability twitter needs to put patreon on blast a bit and be like dude mm. you need to sort it out because yeah, yeah. you know i think doing campaigns like that can can help and uh you know you it does making people aware and, and there are definitely like disabled people that i follow who have patreons so it would be mm. you know quite interesting to sort of say to them you know this isn't a an accessible platform and reflecting that back to mm. users as well because i think it's yeah it's it's something that if you don't like if you don't know about it you just don't think about it do you so exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's like um funny enough spotify not accessible anymore no spotify's more like it used to be i used to have spotify and it used to be pretty good pretty simple with voiceover mm. i you know, switched up music not Still, still, when it was accessible, government say it went back to Spotify. And it's god awful. Is that? It's like it's, you know, say if you're someone that like, listens to your music on it as well, but you say that when you have like an album and you know you have their song, no, song one, song two, song three, and a list, 
Yeah. You can't go to each individual song and click, I want to play song two. You have to it will read song one, song two, song three, all out in one go. Right. So you can't pick a specific song from a playlist or an album, which, no, that's what I mean. It never used to be like that. They've gone backwards. The yeah. biggest music That's a case of someone not knowing, like, the, like how accessibility should work. It's aesthetics, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. All so, that looks yeah. nice, yeah. but it's not accessible. It's funny, my husband, as I said, is a web developer. Um, and because he's got a blind wife, they his company went, Oh, you can be our um our accessibility expert. And so he's got, you know, I constantly hear him using voiceover software and stuff that I don't use because I've got enough sight to to do it. And he's like, No, I've got to make sure that this is accessible. And he is constantly saying to people, No, that's not that's not going to work and it's the designers like Jamie says most of the time people want something and it's like this is how we want it to look and it's like that's all well and good but that's not gonna that's not going to be accessible for people and I don't know I think people think that disabled people don't use things we yeah so well especially with an audio platform yeah you feel like the the accessibility for like that side of it is well yeah it's that's disappointing to hear because obviously mm. it's not something that I encounter when I use it mm. no so and the thing is and, and it's, it's not too bad when it's just like a little some patreon you can, you can get by without a patreon but something like spotify which you know probably say more people a lot more people use probably the most well it probably is the most used like audio music podcast whatever platform you want to call it so it's just a shame that you know, there's so much money and resources just can't do that simple thing of just just read it out to me in a list. That's all I want. Well, <laughs> so- yeah. I mean, if they if they made it super accessible and that was the reason that the royalty rate was so bad, then I'd be happy with that because mm. at least mm. they were using it for some sort of force of good. But yeah. um, no, again, capitalism. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the meme of somebody throwing cards on the table and it's like the problem is the problem is capitalism that's, yes that's like me yeah a couple of times a day I was gonna say that's just just my life I basically walk into a room and I'm like capitalism capitalism and the patriarchy they go hand in hand I guess that's like part of like uh part of the reason I like the lo-fi music and doing it for myself as well is that um it does feed into that sort of uh, want when you're a songwriter to be the outsider and mm. um, not to sort of engage with anything that you kind of you say that is mainstream or popular like I'm not trying to really push out a project like I'm sort of anti-capitalism by trying to do everything on on the cheap and not spend out loads of money and yeah I guess mm. that's part of my reason of um, trying to, I guess, reject it a little bit. Yeah. Mm. So, obviously, going forward for you, obviously, you always said gigging is going to be a challenge this year with, like I said, quote-unquote, Freedom Day happening in a, less than a couple of weeks' time. So what what are your like, kind of professional and personal goals in you know, the short term and then the long term? So sort of uh, more recently, the radio show has been my main focus. Um, 
just to try and get it up and running and sort of find loads of artists that I can play. And then I have chats with people and somebody else comes up and I really love following that thread of finding loads of different artists. And the radio show is a big focus for me, but I've kind of come around to the point where I've got quite a few demos. So I kind of want to put out a second album soonish. Um, I go through little stages of like thinking, oh, this is really good. And then the next day it'll be like, this is some of the worst stuff that I've ever made. And, <laughs> and it is just that constant like struggle between the two until eventually I'm like, I'm done with the mental gymnastics. Let's put this album out. So that will be um, sort of hopefully something that I'm thinking about this year is that there might be another album there at least be some more songs out at the very least and then um sort of just kind of carrying that on really i i can't say that i have like massive goals that i want to achieve with music beyond like being happy with what i'm making and continually putting stuff out hopefully people listen to it but my main aim is artistically to sort of feel a bit fulfilled and the radio show and the music will hopefully hopefully do that um mm -hmm. and then <clears throat> beyond that <clears throat> any sort of opportunities collaborations and stuff that come along the way i'm sort of looking forward to that journey but i guess when i was younger my my big goal was always to have like a catalog of music and just feel proud that i've put out um, all this stuff that I've kind of done so really sort of writing making and then kind of releasing the music is sort of my big aims at the moment okay. and I would urge anyone even if you're you not haven't got into music yet and, you, and you're wanting to then yeah definitely go to yourself and uh, you know get whether it's advice or talk about collaboration or see you know direction I'm sure you'd be able to give uh, people like because it's it's some of the I, for myself and I don't know about you Alice I don't really know many I mean you, you've named two already in the podcast but I, I don't know many myself like, within the disability community and also you know making music so you know if there's people out there who want to do it then just, just go for it yeah. well yeah that's the thing I really just want like it it doesn't matter if someone's made like a really rough recording in their bedroom like I do or they've recorded it off like a off like their smartphone or something like the fact that somebody's made something is good enough and <clears throat> to be able to send that send that out and then possibly getting it played I hope is a positive experience for people well and I think like I've written enough emo poetry in my time and dabbled enough kind of bashing away on a piano to think that one day I could sort of smush the two together to turn it into something musical but actually it takes a lot of work and talent and dedication and I don't have that and so I think anybody who does even as you say if all they've done is recorded it on their laptop in their bedroom or on their smartphone if you've managed to get through that stage from this mm. is something I want to do to actually creating something that other people can hear out in the real world that's something you should be proud of and so mm you should share that you know and and promote that because you you put the work into it well I, mm. I don't want also like sort of 
quality or anything to be like a barrier mm. um I don't want like when I was first on MySpace I recorded those songs by playing it jangly on my electric guitar and taking the audio off a video that I'd recorded on a mm. on like a camera with and that was like my demos on MySpace and stuff like there's it doesn't have to be this big sort of polished product but like you said like creating it is such a massive thing it's the um, biggest part in it actually having that mind to create whether it's writing the lyrics or creating the, the actual music for it Plus yeah. polishing something up and getting out there is in the grand scheme of things the probably the easiest thing out of the lot and sometimes i feel like if like you could you could make something but if you don't necessarily see that there's going to be an outlet for it or you don't see where you're going to be able to put that out or anything i'm hoping that the radio show might just give somebody just a little bit of confidence to think, you know what, I'm just going to put that out and I'm mm. going to send yeah. it out. And then hopefully somebody will listen to it. Um, like those little things can, they certainly gave me a lot of confidence when I was younger. And mm. I think again, like it, it wasn't until a few years ago that really I sort of got to know many disabled artists or anything like that. I think, um, the representation of like if I saw more disabled artists like obviously there there's always been disabled artists like you you've spoken to Mick Scarlett before and yeah he's like he's somebody that's blazed the trail for mm. for anyone to come afterwards like I've played his music on the radio show and if I'd seen him even a few years ago I would have been like sweet you know what there there is a kind of lineage here Mm. Just, yeah. just as you was talking then, and um, let's go back to my kind of niche music. But there's a, a DJ who's partially deaf and wears wears hearing aids. Um, actually, and ages ago, back in like October, kind of at the beginning, called Swaby, and he's he's a pretty cool dude. Um, only only about my age, but he's a like I said, he's partially deaf and creates like housey kind of music. Um, and does just live gigs and that. So I couldn't go that without mentioning him. But yeah, there is. There's a like it's a mixed guy that was one of these like blazed the uh blazed away for people like yourself and others. And um you know, that's what that's what's needed at the end of the day. That's someone needs to just put themselves out there and everyone else can look at me and go, you know what, if he's doing it or she's doing it, then then uh and I can do it. Well yeah, a couple of weeks ago there was the uh, Cola Boy album came out and um he'd done some collaboration with the Avalanches and stuff like that. And to just see him putting out music the amount of like places that he's been covered and stuff like that and I've I got the vinyl record in the post the other day and to just see that and see like a prosthesis on the front cover of a mm. record you're like yes like amen you know mm. do you think <laughs> that there's um sort of how much of a responsibility do you think that there are I'm thinking of somebody in particular um who is who is disabled and in the music industry how much of a responsibility do you think you know you and other people like you have to kind of reflect back disabled artists within the music industry do you think it's or you know I think that there may be people out there for whom it's kind of every man for themselves yeah I think um, 
I think that's something that I guess it depends on your personality. Mm. Um, I've I like to think that all the way through doing music, I've always tried to share other bands, and I've not I've not like held in information like when a like a friend's band wanted to go and tour I'm like cool this is all my contacts you know Mm. just like these are these are the people that I kind of know and then I didn't really feel like that with sort of disabled musicians or sort of as an activist or anything but then when Nick Evanett had said about disabled artists that don't gig I realized that I actually do have a privilege Mm. and I also have a privilege as a white man to be pretty much just like I I need to shine light on Mm. other people and then when the the radio station sort of came up I was like okay this could be like using privilege for good yeah and I I Sorry. Sorry, I was I was just gonna say I think you hit exactly the nail on the head there about privilege. Is it's not, you know, privilege in terms of yeah, you know, you're a white man, but also the privilege in terms of kind of the platforms and opportunities that some people have, um, where they don't I think it's it's I think it's personally really important to if you're part of a minority and you get a position of privilege is to try and pull everybody else up with you and there are definitely people who have got big platforms within certain industries who are disabled and and don't do that yeah I think I've I guess I've I've not really thought about it too much but the radio show was one of the first instances where I was like this is a it's a real chance to use like my privilege of knowing these people that are starting this radio station that Mm. to ask a question about doing a show that like I don't think anyone else that I know in my local area would have asked that question yeah so I guess afterwards I was like I'm so glad that I did ask about doing that radio show because it's not an opportunity that's open for everyone and there is an opportunity for me to showcase more people um like and it's even like playing people from America and people from the UK listening and vice versa and other countries that hopefully Mm. um it does it has like a ripple effect but I, I I can't say that necessarily I think that the radio show has got that big a reach to make too much of a difference but I can only affect what I can kind of affect so hopefully it does some good. So, yeah, I think that would be a, a good way to uh, round off, round up even the, uh, the chat. Alice, is there anything else you want to, to add or ask? No, just uh, can you edit out the bit where I sing? Uh, no. <laughs> did you just say no? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to cut that out, yeah. 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 For you. and then okay. I'm going to play it on the radio show and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it at the very start yeah. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, a bit of a I don't even think you've scored today so you know gold stars for you fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah definitely use that at the beginning as well yeah <laughs>
But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to listening back now, and I'll note down everyone that we've spoken yeah. about. And yeah, thank you for people. Thank you for coming on, Van. Um, if once again, if people want to find you on socials or find your music, where can they go? Uh, so um, I won't even mention Spotify now. Um, so, <laughs> um, this is what so I mean, my you music not you have to do. Really. <laughs> so uh, it's Band Summers on pretty much every streaming platform there is, um, mm. uh, including Bandcamp. Um, my first my first album is up there. And uh, yeah, you can find that there or on SoundCloud, there is old episodes of this, which I will have shared on my SoundCloud. And um, yeah, and I made radio of loads of their um, sort of shows on SoundCloud and you can listen online to the radio. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, the radio show I think is in a couple of weeks and it's 12 till two in the afternoon. Cool. Nice. And, uh, Alice, do you want to plug labeled, yourself and your podcast? Yeah. Labelled podcast, lab led. Lab, just doesn't. Don't worry about yeah, yeah. me. I'm not interested. <laughs> but follow the podcast. Tell everybody how great the podcast is. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Do the same thing for Jamie's podcast because you know I'm yeah. here. I shouldn't just be live my podcast. <laughs> also, this one. And, and a, uh, a, 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 t- a Twitter handle is. What is it Alice? Alice? Alice Free Evans. It is, go. yeah. But I, it's mostly me complaining and occasional pictures of my cat. So if you want dis- interesting disability stuff, follow the podcast or follow Lucy, my co-host, because she's much more interesting than I am. Yes, so that's, uh, that's good. I hope if people have enjoyed listening just as much as we have done talking to Ban. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you very soon. Mm-hmm.